Good morning, good morning, good morning, Lake House Church. This is the day the Lord has made. That's right. Well, happy Father's Day. Uh, thank you for coming out and being here today, and, and also for Dr. George coming and preaching that announcement. Uh, I'll tell you, Kristen and I went to a parent meeting and were so impressed with God just flowing out of that woman that that is going to be a very powerful uh, campus and so we uh, have already signed up Auburn to, to, to be there for next year and we just know that God's going to do some great things and there's several teachers and principals that we know already uh, that, that just love God. Uh, I am very honored today to, uh, to share the pulpit with, with my son Austin. You know, they say to movie stars, never star in movies with dogs and children because they will steal it away from you. But I'll tell you, uh, especially after the word last week that was given about encouraging our our teenagers and for them to to rise up. And so this is a great step. And today we're going to be talking to you about building fathers and building children. And we're going to take it from a little different perspective and we're going to tag team. He's got his notes and his points that he's going to be sharing. And I just want to kind of start off with a story and then I'm going to turn it over to Austin, but you know these, uh, these two men drive a pickup truck into a lumber yard, and the one guy walks into the lumber yard and says, I'm going to need some 4x2s. And the guy said, 4x2s? Um, he goes, yeah, I need a bunch of 4x2s. And the, uh, the clerk said, don't you think you mean 2x4s? He goes, wait, I'll be right back. So he runs back out to the pickup truck, comes back in, says, yes, 2x4s, that's what we need. So the clerk says, okay, great, you need 2x4s, how long do you need them? I says, wait, I'll be right back. So he runs back out to the pickup truck, comes back in and says, we're going to need him for a very long time because we're building a house. <laughs> now, just from those answers and replies, you know that that might not be a house that you want to see. But we all are in the business of building people. You know, we've done several sermons about the importance of our lives and how we and God has entrusted us at this time, at this place, to build others up. And whether you realize it or not, you are an influence to someone. You may feel like you have very little influence. You may feel like very little is going on in your life right now. You may feel like your words are not very powerful. But I'll tell you what, you spend time in the Word of God and you get in alignment with the Word of God and God is going to make you very powerful. What you think is your weakness will become your strength when you yield yourself to Him. The point being though is as we are building each other up, we have to realize that we have responsibility to influence people. And we realize that even as a church, that we are required, required to take God's Word out into a hurting and dying world. And even last week we talked about some of the things that the men are going to be doing this summer uh, to start taking us into the streets of uh, Pantigo and Arlington and start making an effective in our community. But also to take our children with us so that they learn by example. They don't learn just by being taught, they learn by lesson. So Austin, I'm going to be turning this over to you, and you're going to be taking and telling them three major points on how to build a good father, correct? Correct. Okay, build it from the ground up, all right? Okay, Okay. all right, we'll do. So as my dad was saying, uh, we're all builders of people in one way or another, and uh, that's that's totally true. And uh, I just wanted to say that not only we are builders of people, but God is in the building people. That's right. You know, he, he, he builds us in ways that we never could. He... 
uh, I, I know me personally that, that God is just, uh, He amazes me just sometimes in my personal life. It's like, God, I know I couldn't do that. I know that that was not me. That definitely was you. And it, uh, He's constantly building me. And I, it, it's kind of like, you know, that, that unfinished project. But I know that He's constantly building, as in, uh, you know, it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4, it says, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. You know, uh, that includes people and, you know, things. And uh, so God is the builder of everything that is good, holy, and right. And, you know, the good news is that God will always complete what he starts in you. He will never take something and and put it into your life without completing it. You may not see results right away, but just know that he will be there to complete it. So for Father's Day, I'd like to share a few thoughts about building a father and uh, my dad will share a few points about building children. So, if I could build a father, which I, I already have a great one, which I, I'm very blessed to have my dad for who he is and everything that he's taught me. I couldn't, I couldn't be blessed beyond... I, I'm blessed beyond measure. So, but if I could build a father, I would build a patient father. Okay? There's a story about a father, actually, who was concerned about the time it was taking a six-year-old son to get home from school. He went the trip himself and decided that it should take 20 minutes, give or take, you know, a few. And his son was taking an hour. So he decided one day, he's like, son, I'm going to go ahead and go on this trip with you. And uh, the, the, the father said that after the trip, the 20 minutes that I thought was reasonable was right. But he forgot to take in the time it took to track down a trail of ants or an educational stop to, to watch a man fix a flat or uh, the time it took to swing around a half dozen telephone poles. He goes, in short, I'd forgotten what it had been like to be six years old. So we all know it takes great patience to be a father. Uh, that's one thing I've noticed. <laughs> Unfortunately, it takes, uh, I know that uh, even in my own life, but uh, a new study in Health Day News says that your parenting style affects your ch- child's weight and whether your child be overweight by the first grade. The children of authoritarian parents have five times the risk of being overweight compared to children of more diplomatic styles. So basically what this is saying is that parents who are overbearing and don't demonstrate patience with their children, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up wrong. So in Ephesians 4 verse 2, it says, Be humble and gentle in every way. Be patient with each other and lovingly accept each other. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, We encourage you, brothers and sisters, to instruct those who are not living right. Cheer up those who are discouraged. Help the weak and be patient with everyone. Amen. Not only are we supposed to be patient with our family, which is first and foremost most important, but it says with everyone. Our co-workers, our bosses, our neighbor, when he doesn't mow the lawn on time. You know, it, 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 we are the example to the world. And if they don't see patience in our life, what's going to make them want to come to God if we aren't the example? I remember, uh, just, as I said, as a personal example, <sighs> driver's ed. And uh, I did the parent taught, which uh, at the time seemed good. And uh, it always was. I, I, my dad is a great teacher. And, man, did it take some patience. I remember the first time I went out to drive, you know, you pop a couple curves, you, you know, zoom a little bit the first time, but eventually it gets down. But 
you know, when I look back on it, it doesn't seem like that long, but to my dad, it must have seemed like what took six months, five years. You know, but, um, you know, eventually we just kept working at it and working at it, and uh, he was very patient with me. So, uh, and that resulted in me learning how to drive. And I don't want to brag, but I think I'm a pretty good driver. So I, I got to give him a props to that. So all in all, it takes great patience to be a father. Now I'm going to turn it over to my dad for the next couple points. He is points. a good driver. He really is. Both Ashton and Austin, I, I ride with them all the time. So as we look at building children, uh, there were so many topics and subtopics that I could have got into. And I only have very few short subpoints to his main message. But it really comes down to really two main principles. And I'm pulling my passage today from 2 John. And this passage is the only letter that was actually written to a woman. And uh, the first part addresses uh, her children, and the second part is addressing some doctrinal error if you look through the chapter later. But 2 John verses 3 and 6 tell us this. Goodwill, bless you, mercy and peace will be with us. They came from God the Father and from Christ Jesus, who in truth and love is the Father's Son. Verse 4, I was very happy to find some of your children living in the truth as the Father has commanded us. Dear lady, I am now requesting that we continue to love each other. It is not as though I am writing to give you a new commandment. Rather, from the beginning, we are commanded to love each other. Verse 6 says, Love means that we live by doing what He commands. And we are commanded to live in love, and you have heard this from the very beginning. And what's very interesting is that John is putting two words together that we don't normally put together very often. Truth and love. Now, if you study, the book, if you study John as an author, John wrote the word love 62 times in the New Testament. And it was only, there were 117 other references from all the other writers of the Bible, but John's main emphasis was love. And so here what he's talking about, though, is walking in truth and love, having them go side by side. John 1.14 tells us this, that the Word became human and lived among us. And he saw his glory, and it was the glory that the Father shares with his only Son, a glory full of kindness and truth. Kindness and love go hand in hand. Ephesians 4.15 tells us this, Instead, as we lovingly speak the truth, we will grow up completely in our relationship to Christ, who is the head. There's still a lot of born-again Christians out there that need to grow up spiritually. You see, what's happening is this, is that sometimes we as Christians, we take hold of truth, and we go around hammering everyone with the truth. There's no love to it. We're just going around cutting and hammering and knocking down everyone in, in, in truth. Because it's the truth. That's our crusade. That's what God's called me to do. Everyone else is wrong, and I am right, so I'm going to tell everybody the truth. Then we have some people that said, you know what, I was raised in one of those homes, I'm just going to show love. No matter what the kids want to do, we're just going to let them do it and I'm going to love them through it. And yes, I'm going to love them through the rebellion, and I'm going to love them through their attitudes, and I'm going to love and just love and love and love. And basically what's happening is, you have no discipline. And so what's, we, we have this either or, and what John is saying is that as Christians, and as, especially as parents, we need to blend these two very important words. We have to walk in loving truth and truth loving. It's not an either or. It has to be these elements. 
And this is what John is telling this woman that he's so thankful that her children are walking in the truth and loving. They must have been examples for him to notice. I've always told our children that you are a representation of our household when you're somebody at somebody's home or whether you're out and about with a group of people. You reflect our family. And what's happening is these children of this woman that's not mentioned here obviously influenced John so much that he's giving her thanks in this letter saying, I am so thankful that your children are walking in the love that God has commanded us to do. So it brings him great joy and great reward. You know, if you think about it as a parent, especially as my children are, are, are becoming 18 and, and Austin is 17 and we still have a 10-year-old in the house that thinks she's 18, but as we are growing closer to them becoming adults and making their own decisions, the goal of being a really good parent is making sure that they continue to walk in the love and the truth and understanding of God. At Austin's graduation, they said that 80% of high school graduates turn their back on their, their beliefs and Christ in the first year or two of school at college. And it just makes me really think, as parents, are we really raising our children with the knowledge and understanding of who they are in Christ? That was one of the main attractions that I had to the Pays uh, project in that they really go in to teach our children, what they understand, why they understand it, how to defend it when it's questioned. See, normal youth groups just tell you, don't, 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 don't. Don't do this. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't have sex. Don't all this. But they're not teaching them why it's important for them. Why there's a respect for their body. Why they are a valued child of the Most High God. And then when they walk into a secular campus and they have a humanistic professor who says, there is no God, there is no this, they have no defense. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Because we, as the church, we as parents have not raised them to understand who they are in Christ, the authority that they have in the Word of God, who they are as born-again believers. You see, there is not an age limit that, that you have to acquire to before God is willing to use you. I'll tell you what, if you are in desperate need, you get a child to start praying for you. Because sometimes children pray with more faith and more with an open mind than some of the staunch people that are going to tell you everything you did wrong and why God's not going to heal you. Man, I'm going to agree with somebody in faith because I'm standing on the Word of God and sometimes that comes from a childlike faith. So it's important that we understand this. You know, Paul even wrote a passage that was very understanding to this point. In Galatians 4, verses 19 and 20. And he says, My children, he said, I'm suffering birth pains for you, right? Uh, for you again until Christ is formed in you. Now, obviously, this is not the physical birth pains. But what he had done is he had gone in and, and taught this, this, this group of people, this church, to truly understand and love God. And now he's getting news that they're making some bad decisions. They're listening to some false teaching. They're kind of, uh, some of the rumors that are going around about them are coming back to Paul. And what Paul was saying is, do you understand how much I prayed and interceded and sacrificed my life to bring you into the kingdom of God so that you would understand the fullness of His glory? And it goes on to verse 20. It says, I wish I were there right now with you so I could change the tone of my voice. As a dad, I love that scripture because I understood what he was talking about. Sometimes it's not importantly about what I say. It's the way I say it. You know, there are times when the kids know I'm joking, but usually when I use the middle name, it's serious. Okay? There's probably once, twice a year that I use that middle name, but that means this is not a game. This is all hands on deck. 
And when Paul's writing this, I understand what he's saying about it. He goes, I wish I was there so you could hear the tone of my voice. Because obviously words weren't just cutting it. You know what I mean? It was like a love. I am very disappointed in you. No, he wanted to really emphasize that. So when you see this, think about Paul. In verse, and it says, I am completely puzzled by what you've done. Paul was perplexed by what his spiritual children were being fed and believing and speaking. And like many parents today, he's in pain for them because he wants Christ to be formed in their lives. George Barna gave some research and said that there are basically three different parenting modules. One, and I think all of us will kind of attest to all of these three points, one is parenting by default. And that is what we do just when we think we should be doing that even without thinking. Have you ever done that? I mean, there's times when kids have woken me up from a nap. Can I do this? Yeah, go ahead and go do that. And I'm thinking, what, what did I just say? You know, I, was just, I wasn't even really back in the dad mode. You know, I'm still in the slumber mode. But we are constantly being asked, and sometimes we go into default mode. You know, some of the best answers I've ever had in my whole life that I know that the Holy Spirit gave me, I know it was a download, was go ask your mother, okay? Because see, what happened is that just transferred it off and allowed me to completely figure out. But that's just parenting by default mode. Then there's, according to George Barna, there's experimental parenting. And this is when we try different things depending upon what we read or hear. Okay? Now, I've even done some of that, you know? Sometimes I'll hear about a parent who says, oh, I really did this, it works so well, so I try it out and it fails or it's successful. But you know, it's just not really my normal parenting mode. And sometimes I only do that if I really need to try to get some results from the kids or I try to, to change a situation or a behavior that I'm seeing is, is changing. The third point that George Barna talks about is called revolutionary parenting. And it says the goal of this type of parenting... The goal of this type of parenting is to raise children who make their faith in God and their relationship with Him the highest priority in their life. That was powerful. You know, when we first had Ashlyn, I kept saying to Kristen, there's no owner's manual with this. What do we do? And her mom stayed with us the first three nights we had Ashlyn home. I was terrified when her mom was leaving, who had all this experience, because here it was just the two of us and this baby. And there was no manual. And you seek God, and you ask for direction, and you pray that you do the right things. And even in our weakness, He is made strong. But you try to always be that example. What George Barna is talking about for revolutionary parents is this. Parenting is your full-time job. And what you do for a living supplies the funds for you to be a parent. Now think about this. Because in America today, we have put our profession, what are you? That's usually one of the first questions when I'm meeting someone. Hey, so what do you do? What's your title? Impress me with your position. Right? But how many times have you met somebody who said, Hey, tell me about your kids. What? You know, tell me about your care, your parenting style. I don't think anyone has ever walked up to me and just asked me about my parenting style. But they've always asked me about what my position is in the software industry, how the church is coming along. But do you see, and I've said this many times on many occasions, this church is not my number one priority. My relationship with Jesus Christ is my number one priority. Here's priorities for my life. Jesus Christ is number one. 
my wife is number two. Because if something happens here, it starts affecting this. If something happens between my relationship with Jesus Christ, not only does it start affecting my relationship with Chris and I, then it starts affecting our children. And then is the church. You see, I have seen too many ministries put the ministry above their wife and their children and they pay the price for it. And I don't think that that is a good steward of what God has given me. The most valuable things that God has ever given me next to my, next to my salvation and next to my wife is my children. And I've told my children, I said, my goal is to get you to go higher and bigger and better than I've ever done. We were watching a Superman movie once and there was this airplane that was to take this rocket and it was supposed to go up so high and the rocket was to take off and obviously in the movie there was a problem so Superman gets and, you know, just he's real easy about doing that. But I said, Austin, that's me. My goal is just to be that airplane to take you up so high so that when you go, you're not starting from down here. Same with Ashland, same with Auburn because that is my role as a parent. Unfortunately today, parents... And families are under attack in society. I got one amen from that. Today, parents are under attack in our society. If you look at role models on television, we have horrific role models for for men as parents. Homer Simpson is not the definition of a father figure. Growing up in... When I grew up in the 60s, there were at least some really good shows, TV shows on that Father Knows Best. There was my three sons. Even Dick Van Dyke came home from work every night. Yeah, he tripped over a thing, but he got back up and hugged and kissed his wife. And he was there for Richie, their son. You don't see shows like that anymore on television. There are many children being raised that have no concept of what a good father truly is. Families are under attack today in America. And we need to be praying for that. Austin, would you like to go to your second point? Yes, I would. Thank you very much. Like he was saying, you know, there, there isn't good role models out there for fathers. Just kind of building on that point real quick. And people will look for something to follow. No matter what, whether, whether it be in us or whether it be in television or, you know, what, whatever it may be. And when they don't see it in our lives, that's where they're going to they're gonna turn because everyone wants to follow that's something. Right. So now I'm going to go to my second point. So if I could, if I, could I would build a godly father. Uh, the CBS News program, 48 Hours, did an investigation on actually the, the children of famous people to see how they reacted uh, to what they saw growing up and whatnot. And on this program was this guy named James Raymond. And uh, you really wouldn't recognize him by his last name because he was adopted shortly after his birth. And his parents kept his adoption record sealed until he was 31 years old. And that's when he found out that his dad, his, his natural father, was David Crosby of the group Crosby, Stills, and Nash, which was a band way back in the day. I didn't know who it was. My dad had to uh, tell me about it. So, But what's important is that, that Raymond's habits, preferences, beliefs were more closely related to that of his adoptive parents than his natural father. It just goes to show you that example is more powerful than heritage. There's so many people who, who make excuses. Oh, you, my dad did it. Or, and it's true. It's because they followed that example. But if we, we, we have to choose and be careful what we let lead our lives. What, right. we, what we let in. You know, like I always hear it say, junk in, junk out. What, uh, what you let, what, who you choose to lead you will affect your lifestyle. 
in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 7-9, it says, You know what you must do to imitate us. We lived a disciplined life among you. We didn't eat anyone's food without paying for it. Instead, we worked hard and struggled night and day in order not to be a burden to any of you. It's not as though we didn't have a right to receive support. Rather, we wanted to set an example for you to follow. And I know a lot of that, uh, I, when I read the scripture, I thought about pays. And a lot of the discipleship comes in from the, uh, just seeing and, and, uh, and being with a person uh, and just showing them how you live and uh, being with them. Because when people see who is inside of us and what we stand for, and if we make a stand for what we do believe in, they will, you know, that's how, that, was, that makes a bigger difference than any lecture you could give them than any scripture that you could give them is how they it's what they see in our lives rather than what they, they read because they're not going to be attracted to Christianity just because of the you know like we were saying the do's and don'ts and whatnot. It, they're going to be attracted because they want to see what difference does it make in your life that's right fathers set an example for their children to follow be it good or bad that's why it's always important to 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 Watch what you set as an example for your children. And the greatest example a father can set is that one of godliness or Christ-likeness. And I just want to share real quick about something in our family that I know that I will carry on. And it's because my parents, both my mom and my dad, have set this example for me. And it has to do with movies. And uh, a lot of people, you know, I get asked all the time, Hey, you want to go see this movie? You want to go do this? And it's like, yeah, well, first, we, the, the thing that we do is we go check it out on this website called Plugged In Online. And the standard we set is uh, with the language, if it, we do not go see a movie that curses God's name. That's right. Because uh, we will not support something that curses the name of our God. And we know that when that happened in the Bible, David, when they were cursing the name, who, who, who is this that is cursing the name of God? And what... What's happened to our lives that we stopped doing that? You know, I mean, we just come so used to it. And that's something that I know that my parents have set up in my life. And it is hard sometimes. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I want to go see that movie, you know. But uh, it, what's cool is we have this thing called Clear Play, and it takes out any of the language that's in it and stuff like that. And uh, if it if it comes out in DVD, we're still like, okay, it'll take out any of the the central scenes or the language and stuff. But I know that God has blessed my parents for setting that example in my life, and I know that's something that I'll carry on. So, if I could build a father, I'd build one with a lot of godliness. And Dad, this you're gonna come back. And... Yep. <laughs> well, according to uh, James Dobson, the statistic was really shocking to me. But it said that 80% of parents feel like they're failures. 80%. That'd be 8 out of 10 parents feel like they have failed as a parent. Now, I was really amazed at that. And then I started thinking about that if I even took a survey and said, do you feel like you're a good parent? I even know my weaknesses. So I don't know if I would confidently... That's like saying, how good looking do you think you are? You know, well, I think I'm way up there. No, because, man, I'm the one who looks at myself in the mirror. I know... I know the number of my... I'm like, God, I know the number of hairs on my head each morning and that number's going down and so, you know. But it said that revolutionary... 
have to have a belief that they're in charge from the day one. And that they have to set their home. And they have to lead by example. And that they have to believe and behave like people who were in charge. Unfortunately, we have people today that are in the role of parenthood that are not acting like adults. And it's confusing the children. Sometimes your teenagers don't need a best friend. They can have hundreds and thousands of them on Facebook. They need a parent. They need somebody that will say no in their lives. It was funny, a couple weeks ago, my daughter said, you know, could I do this? And I said, no. She goes, well, good, I really just needed an excuse. I said, well, why didn't you tell me that in the very first place? You know, I pondered over that after I had to give her a response. But what she was really saying is, Dad, give me the boundaries so I can go to them and say, that is not acceptable. That is not something I want to do. God gives all parents the responsibility to build our children's moral character. Moral character. You know, there's a word that we don't really like using today in society, and that's called obey. Because we have so many bad tendencies and so many bad things that have probably happened to us in childhood. But really, when we talk about teaching our children how to obey, that's what's mentioned in the Ten Commandments. It's emphasized throughout the Bible. It's when we mix, though, remember those two words that John mixed? Truth and love together, that we have an environment that we can do this. If the word obey was offensive to you, then chances are that balance was not equal in your home, being raised up. There may have been a little bit more truth and a lot of beating up, or there may have been a lot of love and no boundaries. So it's very difficult when we talk about that, but that's what the Bible is encouraging us to do, is to raise up our children to learn how to obey. Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verses 1-4 through 4, says, Children, obey your parents because you are Christians, and this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother, that everything may go well for you, and that you may have long life on earth. And this is an important commandment with a promise. Fathers, do not make your children bitter about life. Instead, bring them up in a Christian discipline and instruction. You see, if you look at the root word of that in that passage, obey means to hear. Once you hear something, there's an inward attitude and an external action. For example, if a police officer sees you standing in line, and you're not doing anything wrong, but calls you out, you have a choice right there. Sir, I'd like for you to step over here. Me? You know. Okay, so I hear him, and now I'm processing, why does this police officer want me to step out of line? And once I start processing that commandment, then every interaction that I've ever had with a police officer in the past, which hasn't been many, I'm just... But every interaction I've ever had in the past is going through my mind. Oh, no, not 1969 again. You know what I mean? No, I mean, you see, so all of a sudden I'm processing this, and then my action is going to be very important to his commandment. Do you understand this? This happens every time we hear something. Hey, would you like to do this? I'd like for you to come on over and do this. Or, by the way, would you go clean your room this afternoon? Or anything that your employer even tells you to do, you process, you form an attitude which then forms an action. You didn't know you were that complex, did you? This is all happening while you're chewing granola, too. So everything is happening, okay? And you hear this command. And what's happening with our our children is that sometimes they do not grow up with the respect because they don't see respect happening between the parents. 
They may see parents that act one way on Sunday in service and another way during the week. We cannot live that way. That is not the way Christ died for us to live. You know, if I stood up and preached about being a Sunday morning Christian, man, everybody would be amen in me and hallelujah and offerings would be up and I'd write a book. But if I got up and said, you know, what about being a, a godly father on Sundays and living the way you want the rest of the week? Really, what's the difference? When we don't show respect to our, our spouse, or our employers, to our neighbors... And this is what our children are seeing. And then we're trying to teach them about obeying and understanding and loving God. A person who grows up with a sense of obedience and a sense of self-discipline and a sense of respect towards his parents will be someone who can make any kind of human relationship possible. God's design is for all human relationships to be based on what he's, we are learning through obedience in childhood. Several years ago, Cal Thomas, a syndicated columnist, wrote an article about what kids want. And he described the findings of two California teachers who toured around 50 cities to discover what kids really crave. This is what teenagers really crave. Their number one point is that they actually, I'm telling you the truth here, they actually want their parents to spend more time with them. They really wanted their parents to listen to them. And they really wanted their parents to set guidelines to make them adhere to rules. So let me bring this whole topic into a today's technology example. Moms and dads, you are the firewall on your computer that keeps all the junk of the internet out. Do you understand that? Do you understand what a firewall does in computer technology? A computer firewall, Randy, tell me if I'm telling this correctly, okay? And Doug can, we have several IT guys, and even Bill Brown impresses me with his IT. But the point being, though, is there's a firewall filter that keeps all the junk of the Internet that just wants to come in and bombard us constantly. And the more filters that we have set up, it keeps that out. And you know what? When I was going over these nodes, I am a firewall. I truly am a firewall. Yesterday we went to go see a movie about penguins. <laughs> there wasn't a bad word in it. It was a cute movie, okay? But Ashlyn and I were talking about another movie that's coming out, and she said it, it's, it's something about green something. And she said, Dad, I looked it up already, and she said not only did they use the GD once, she said they used it so many times. And I thought, I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle. Because it seems that no matter how much I'm trying to hold a standard, the industry is just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And as Ashton and I were having this conversation while they were buying the tickets, I said, Ashton, what do you think movies are going to be like when, when you're a parent? If it's already this bad, if there's already this much profanity, there's this much sensuality, there's so much happening, and even language now in the previews, as I, I shared with you a couple weeks ago, what do you think it's going to be like if Jesus tarries? Because I truly believe that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Amen. We don't hear that enough, but I truly believe that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. But we always plan, what is it going to be like 10 or 20 years from now if things don't happen? The body of Christ has to start standing up and becoming that firewall and protecting our children. Not protecting them from what's out there. Our children know exactly what's out in the world. See, there's, 
Remember that balance of truth and love? There have been so many protective parents that have never exposed their children to what is out there that it's overwhelming when they do step onto a campus. You have to teach them what is out there, but that everything that Satan has created is an imitation to what God wanted to give them. There will be a guy that will tell them that they're beautiful. You know why? Because they didn't hear it from their dad. There will be people that will try to make them feel good. Why? Because they didn't feel good in their home. So everything that they're trying to do is trying to be an imitation of what they should be feeling and sensing from home. It's understandable of why our society is happening without Christ, without prayer in schools. There was a 17-year-old girl named Vanessa, and it said this, You are who you hang around with. This is coming from a 17-year-old. You are who you hang around with. And she said that before, parents made you who you were. Now, teens are pretty much defined by their friends. This is still Vanessa speaking this. I see my mom maybe an hour a day and not at all on the weekends. And this was from a Newsweek article. I didn't even see the dad being mentioned in this article. And what's happening is this, is there will be substitutes that will come in and real quickly take our children and start fulfilling those needs. But they're imitations. They wear off and there's a price that has to be paid. Basically, when we talk about understanding and obeying, we have to realize that even the Bible says that if we refuse to obey, things are not going to go well with us. But if we do obey, if we honor our parents that long life will be ours. Austin? Yeah. Wow, it's a good one. Yeah, I remember the whole obedience thing, you know, growing up. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm very grateful for my parents. I remember very main scripture is obedience is better than sacrifice, if you know what I mean. And I, I learned what the sacrifice was really quick, and I, and I learned it's better to obey than it is to sacrifice. Uh, but I, I thank God for them. It's like that, you know, hard English teacher that you had in school. It's like you, you really didn't like her at the time, but back you look back, it's like, ah, she really helped me out. But anyways, if I could build a father, I would build a loving father. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, it says, Now concerning food offered to false gods, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes people arrogant, but love builds them up. Sometimes people don't care how many certificates or degrees that they have. They just want to see if you care. Sometimes, you know, even with relationships, like, you know, father, son, he, doesn't, he just wants to know that you, you love him. And uh, that's, that's essential. There's, there's a Spanish story about a father and son who become estranged and the son runs away and the father searches for months and months to try to find his son and in a last attempt he puts an ad in the Madrid newspaper and says Dear Paco meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday all is forgiven I love you your father on Saturday 800 Pacos show up looking for forgiveness from their father and what does that say? That the world is so hungry, hungry for forgiveness and love that they'll go anywhere to find it. Even if they don't know that that's their Paco, you know? I mean, the, the, they'll, the people are searching for it and we have the answer to it. We know that Christ does provide that love that never dries out. Hmm, yeah. 
You know, the Bible tells a story about Absalom, uh, the son of King David, and he began to plant seeds of division into his father's kingdom. And the day came when he saw the opportunity and openly led in a rebellion against his father David in order to take over the kingdom. But David's greatest fear was that Absalom would be destroyed in battle, which is eventually what happened. In 2 Samuel 18.33 it says, The king was shaken by the news. He, he went to the room above the gate and cried, My son Absalom, he said as he went, My son, my son Absalom, I wish I had died in your place. Absalom, my son, my son. David's heart was not to destroy his son, but to save it. Even if that meant dying in his place. You know, as opposed to what Absalom might have thought, David might eventually have made him king. He didn't know that. But he, he chose to take things into his own hands. He, David was not his enemy, but he was his father, and he loved him. So many times we try to take what God has given us into our own hands, and God just wants us to wait. You know, just like Absalom, he, he wanted it now. You know, sometimes we got that mentality, you know, I, if I don't get it now, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it. But God has so many great things planned for us, but sometimes we just totally blow it because it's not His timing. It's not His timing. It's, you know, patience. And so if I could build a father, I would build one with love. And that's back to you. So. I want to talk to you real quickly about learning to honor if you notice, my two main points were obeying and honor. And honor is the attitude uh, behind the act. Proverbs 12.1 tells us this, and I love this translation. Whoever loves discipline loves to learn, but whoever hates correction is a dumb animal. <laughs> honor is the most important ingredient in any family relationship. Husbands and wives need to honor each other. We need to honor our children. One time, many years ago, I think Austin was probably about 10 or 11 at the time. And we were, I think, just right here in the area. And we were going to go into a restaurant. It was a fast food restaurant. And the whole family gets out of the car. I think it was during summertime. It was already hot. And we're getting everybody in. And before we got to the very front door, I remember Austin, probably about the age of 11 or 12, says, Dad, I really don't think we should eat here. I said, what do you mean? What do we and... and he said, I just feel really funny about this place. I said, do you think we should go somewhere else? And he goes, yeah. So I said to the whole family, hey, we're all getting in the car. We're going to go somewhere else. And everybody, where, why, what, you know, and all this. You know, because they already had their mindset on the pictures in the windows of what they were going to order. But what I had to do is I had to honor Austin. Because I think God spoke to Austin and said, don't go in there. That's very dangerous. See, what happens is this. God can speak through our children. But if we as parents don't honor what God's doing in their lives, then they're not receiving the honor. And whether he realized it or not, at the age of 10 or 11, he realized that there are parents that will listen to him, and if that request made sense, that we respect the God that speaks to him, and that can walk and work through him, so that we made a decision. And a lot of times as parents, we dismiss anything that comes from our children, because we know it all. We're greater. We have our degrees. We have our diplomas. They don't. And yet God speaks to them sometimes to help and protect us. 
It's very important that we understand that we honor our children as much as we honor our spouses and as much as we honor God. That's what makes a healthy family. When children honor their parents, the family will be healthy. And as children learn and grow in an environment of love and truth, they profit from the promise. In the fifth commandment, it comes with the promises. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land of your Lord, your God is giving you. My parents were not perfect. My dad could swing a belt from 20 feet and still hit me. Okay? And I told you, I grew up in a very strict home, but I loved my parents. And even to this day, I honor them. There's sometimes I don't agree with everything that they say, but I honor them. And there's many times I'm very careful what I tell my children about what my parents have said because I'm honoring them as a source. We as individuals need to learn to honor other people. Honor other ministries. Just because you hear a rumor doesn't mean you have to email that rumor out. You don't have to Facebook everything. I get very careful when I talk about anyone's ministry because it says, Touch not mine anointed. And I'm not the one that's going to be determining who is anointing. Oh, but Mark, you should see this and you should read this. I'm not going to throw the stones. I honor them. I pray for them. I ask that they would get forgiveness for any sin in their life. But I'm not going to kill any wounded warriors out there. It's important that we understand that when we honor, there's two things that the Word of God promises us. A quality of life and a quantity of life. A quality of life and a quantity of life comes when we learn to honor. So it's very important that we see individuals through God's eyes. And also what's best for our children and our society. Obedience will keep a child from a world of harm and will save him from a lifetime of bitterness, anger, and resentment. And it will generally uh, prolong their life and make it a fuller and richer life. That concludes my message today and Austin's going to close the service today. Well, as some may be in here, it may be the case that you you didn't have that father figure or maybe the, the... father figure you had wasn't Christ-like or just one of the other cases or uh, and with children maybe you haven't had children the only thing we do know is that God as we said earlier today God is the greatest builder of all and he's the father to the fatherless and God's that and as he is the father to the fatherless he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins and just as much as I know I love my dad I, and I can only imagine how much he really loves me, how hard it would be to, to, to do that. So whatever the case may be with you today, know that we have a God that we can call out to and cry, Abba, Father, and he will save us no matter where we are. That's right. We were all, as my dad said, we were all born with eternal life, but what we do now determines where we will spend it. We were born into a life of sin, and we need a God to save us. We need, we need Him. So if you would pray this prayer with me today and accept Him into your heart, He'll change your life forever. I know that for sure. And He will be your example for those of you who have none. He will be that one that will guide you. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes with me and say this prayer, repeat it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. On the cross for my sins. For my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. 
Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. So, if you've just prayed that for the first time, or you've rededicated your life, you are a child of the King. You are saved. You are saved from your life of sin. Thank you for listening to me and my dad today. So we talked. I know I'm not an expert, but I just uh, I, I know that God called me to share today, and uh, I pray that you've been blessed by it. So, Dad, you want to come up and do the blessing? Sure. Would you all please stand while I speak the blessing over you, not only for this day but for this week? And according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you, and may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. God bless you. We love you. We hope to see you Tuesday night for the picnic. Also, Wednesday night, if you can drive and take some youth with you, you will be radically changed at Youth for the Nation. Get involved with a thousand jumping kids worshiping God, and it will change your aspect. Thank you so much for coming today. God bless you guys.